You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Art of Floating podcast. It's great to have you back. Uh, this is the podcast where float centers thrive. We're here to help you start, run, and refine your so- float center. I have Amy from Float Nashville here. Hi, Amy. Hey, y'all. How you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you today? <laughs> nice. I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. I love it. How are you doing, Lance? I am good. How are you doing, Dylan? Nice. I'm doing very well. <laughs> Thank you. How is it in Red Deer right now? Uh, I'm actually in Edmonton. Oh, that's right. Um, yes. I'm not at my float center, but yep. um, it is good. It is snowy, it is chilly, and it's a uh, winter wonderland. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was uh, I walked to the the float shop today, and it was brisk out. I was like, oh, God, winter's here. I was slightly uncomfortable, so I can totally relate to you. Um, but... I wore T-shirts today. It's good. I wore T-shirts. Are you it's kidding lovely. me? No, I'm so uh, not kidding you. <laughs> I live in Nashville, y'all. <laughs> um, we, we got another month or two until we get snow. Do you think it'll get snow? Um, you know, we had snow last year. It was the worst I'd seen it in years, and we are predicted to get even more this year, so oh, okay. perhaps so. Right. We'll find out, though. Uh, it's always an adventure. Nice. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, we have a cool topic today that I think... I am, we actually, I guess we bridged this from last week's. We decided to make a whole different episode out of this, which is uh, two main things, which is how to check customers into their floats. Basically, just how do you welcome somebody into your center and then introducing customers to their floats. What um, what do you tell somebody? How does the whole rhythm of it work, getting them into their floats? It, I think it's something we're all pretty passionate about here. So I'm, I'm really curious uh, what your guys' thoughts are on this. But first, I really want to thank our sponsor, FloatAway. The simple act of floating in warm, salty water is the most relaxing experience on Earth. This has been a floataways byline for more than 15 years. It's true for each of the eight different models and in all of the 40 or so countries where happy customers float in floataway float tanks. Floataway is proud of the specially equipped round pools in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where research will really put the floating on the mainstream map. And you can check them out at www.floataway.com and find out how the company has pioneered new techniques, new shapes, and new ideas in floating. The founders, Colin and Jenny Stanwell-Smith, are world experts on every aspect of flotation technology. Floataway is a family business within the floating family. And again, you can find them at floataway.com. And the float shop has a floataway tranquility float tank. Um, in fact, we have I don't know that we've ever paid Floataway any money for any of their float stuff. They've um, Yet they've provided us an incredible amount of support over the years um, in maintaining our float tanks and troubleshooting and all that stuff because um, it, it was a used float tank and um, previous people had modified it and they've been nothing but wonderful to us. So I, I really appreciate them and their customer service. Awesome. All right, guys. How should we start this? Amy, what's it like when somebody walks into your float center? Well, first, let me preface this by saying uh, we have an extraordinarily tiny float center. So my entire float center is 1,100 square feet, and we have three float tank rooms inside that. And so our our waiting area is about 7 feet by 9 feet. Uh, So I'm really excited for you to talk about what you do, Dylan, because I've actually experienced that on a few occasions, and I love what you do. Uh, But we have found that in our our case... um, Unfortunately, we, we have to gather everybody up and do the entire uh, the entire uh, uh, intake or uh-huh. tour in one room, sure. mm-hmm. which can get a little crowded, <laughs> and um, you don't get to 
<clears throat> to give very specific uh, direction uh, to them. You know, it's directed to one person. Sure. Okay. Got it. So it's kind of like a cattle call, but in a re- but a really nice cattle call in a warm room um, with a beautiful tank. So sure. Uh, so it's uh, it's a very nice, hopefully a nice experience, and they get to kind of bond with each other, uh, and uh, you kind of get this kind of group dynamic. Okay. Mark does a great job, and we have a list. Mark, that the, we utilize. The co-owner of Float Nashville. Yeah. Yes. I'm so sorry. Yes, my co-owner. I just uh, realized Mark. we have to. Should probably specify that every yeah. episode. Yeah, <laughs> so used. I thought everybody knew more. I know, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, so when somebody first walks in, so they can definitely see somebody at a front desk. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yes. And, yes. and do they have to sign a waiver? They do. We do have a waiver. Okay. Um, on paper, uh, so they do that, and we usually invite them to, if they'd like some water, grab some water, have a seat, relax. Uh-huh. Um, we like. I think what's really important, or what we try to do, even in our tiny, tiny space, uh, is provide some sort of transition from mm-hmm. the outside world to their float tank. Uh, we've just started offering, especially as the weather gets cold, um, warm packs that they can put around the, their necks. Nice. Uh, so yeah. it's just like the little things. Yeah, they can have yeah. some water if, they, if we know it's going to be a little bit of weight. Um, so we, we provide that as a transition. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, the next thing we do, uh, once the tanks are ready, I will be honest, Mark is the king of intake. He does a really good job. And one thing I love about Mark is he's very good at reading people and uh, directing a, a little speech or directing our intake towards uh, towards people or what they need. So mm-hmm. Mark will invite all three or two or whoever is new back into the float room. And we have a, like I said, we, we actually keep a list so that everybody does at least hit certain points. Um, and most of our intake has to do with just explaining like what's in their tray, their earplugs. How do we use the earplugs? Sure. What the make, you know, a lot of people don't realize that's a makeup wipe that we have. We ask them to use the makeup wipe. Um, so we go through the basics. We do talk uh, about the lighting in our rooms. We have a combination motion sensor. Uh, it kind of depends which room you're in. So we sure. do have to yep. do a little explanation mm-hmm. on the lights. Uh, the last thing we do before we go in, like I said, he's very good at directing. So if there's somebody who's nervous, we make sure that they know they have options in the closed tank, that they can float with the door open. Or here's some options to float with the door partially open. But it's a very personal um, time and uh, a time to hopefully connect and make mm-hmm. them comfortable and hopefully make them comfortable enough to ask questions if they need to. Uh Mark cool. is probably, like I said, Mark is, Mark is the best at that. He's got, it, he's got it down. But you still give intros. It's not just him. Uh, yes, I do from time to time. Yeah. And, and of course our, our employees do, uh, but he does do training with all the employees. And like I said, we do okay. have a list so that everybody's somewhat consistent. Okay. Some of the things we don't do, I, I might be getting ahead of, ahead of things. Yeah. Here. Let's, let's, I want to take a break real quick. Cause I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, well, first I want to ask you if we can put a picture of your um, space up on the art of yeah. so people can actually see what your lobby looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no problem. Which segues me to Lance because I recently saw a picture of Lance's lobby and it is gorgeous. It I is amazing. <laughs> love it. I want to move in. It's like a it's like a sweet studio apartment, like a loft apartment you see in 90s movies all the time. Um, <laughs> it was so hip and cool and so cozy and comforting at the same time. So, yeah. Lance, what's it like when somebody walks into your very large lobby? Yeah. So when people walk in, it is... Um, they're usually greeted by someone. 
But um, if we're running one staff, uh, sometimes we have people cleaning in the back. Depends if they're coming up close to changeover. So we like to greet them with a sign that says, um, we're currently cleaning rooms right now. Please have a seat. Make them comfy. Um, usually we can hear people coming in, so we come in and greet them as soon as they get in. Mm-hmm. Um, we direct them to the washroom um, if they need. And there's also some water. And there's probably three or four different seating areas in our front lobby where people can sit or relax. And we have... Uh, the shack that we sort of built um that's just a quieter place for people to hang out read write we have some guided meditations in there headphones binaural beats so you have a shack within the business like a literal yeah can you describe that a little bit so actually our front lobby for people to wait and stuff is about 1600 square feet so inside there we have about a 12 by 12 we have a 12 (laughs) by (laughs) i seen that Uh, we have a 12 by 12 um, section that we actually ripped uh, uh, a shed down at my farm and we sort of rebuilt it in the float shack (laughs) and um, we did it really artsy and um, had fun with it put a lot of lighting in the walls and did a bunch of cool shelving and incorporated some antiques and stuff in there but um, that's just sort of to seclude people a little bit if they want to be by themselves i didn't realize that when i was looking at the picture i I thought it was like a a two-dimensional aesthetic feel of a a shack but you can actually go in inside and chill out that's like my favorite part of the whole business we Uh, have um we have like a community library in there so a bunch of people will drop off books and their borrow books and we're getting like some of the the craziest out there neatest (laughs) stuff coming through our studio and uh we have a lot of a lot of like turn kits and little things just hanging out that's really funky and that sort of resonated with all of us that people like to just you know sit in the space and absorb what's going on um but ultimately like amy said um, the whole point of our our front lobby area is is to create that transition um people come from work they come from a stressful busy hectic city and they come in once they walk in our studio, it, it automatically will bring them down a notch and just, you can, you can feel it. And it's, it, I like to get people to come 15, 20 minutes earlier so they can actually do that. So they can, you know, play with one of our coloring books or, you know, read or just inform themselves on floating. And that gives us time to, to, to do our job too. But right. whenever we're ready, um, done cleaning and stuff, we come and we escort them to the room and we give them a complete walkthrough. Um, First off, that starts by explaining what the float tank is, um, how much salt there is, how much water, uh, the temperature. And then um, you can usually see um, why they're there. You know, if it's an athlete that's there, if it's someone that's stressed or, you know, if they're limping, you can see if, you know, they're there for pain. So uh, we can sort of target our walk through a little more to the benefits that may be more to that client. And then after we explain what the float tank is, we explain the shower. Um, we tell people not to take too hot of a shower because if you get hot in the shower, you may feel hot in the float tank. Uh, we also tell them to use a face cloth to get nice and clean. And, um, and then we explain what it's like when they get in the float tank. We tell them it's slippery. Um, when they sit down, they can close the door, lie back, and they plop up like a cork. And we also explain there's no rules on how you can float. It's different for everyone. But I do like to explain to people that floating with your hands above your head does open up your chest your airways pushes the neck up and does allow the head to fall back and relax a little more um i also like to explain once they're fully relaxed that uh, they will not be able to roll over you know and um, if they fall asleep or anything like that they don't have to worry about any of those aspects Um, we also let them know that there's a spray bottle in the tank to wipe their face or rinse their face off with that we also keep a face cloth in the tank too so they can use that to wipe off 
Um, yeah, and then we introduce them to our table, which has the two types of earplugs, foam, silicone, makeup wipes, and Vaseline. And uh, uh, we let them know how the music comes on and how that wakes them up. And when they're getting out, if they could squeegee off and wring out their hair to keep all the salt and water in the float tank because it makes everyone's life a little bit easier. And, uh, yeah, we usually, if it's our first float, we let them know that we will play music for the first 10 or 15 minutes. That just allows them to um, get familiar with what's going to wake them up. I found before we played music for the first float, people would often spend their first float wondering if they're going to hear the music. Uh Am I going to hear it? I got earplugs in. Was that the music? I'm I'm not sure. So just by giving them that brief um, little bit of music at the beginning, they know, yep, I can hear it. Nothing to worry about. And um, sometimes if we have time, we'll give them a couple little tips. And um, with every client, uh, the walkthrough is a little bit different. Um, You know, some people like to have fun and laugh. Some people, you know, they... They just want you to shut up, and they know everything, and they just want to get in the float tank. So um, a a challenge for me is trying to find that balance of trying to hit every point we need to hit while maintaining their 100% full attention. Because, you know, if they miss one aspect of that walkthrough and they're constantly wiping their face, getting salt in their eyes, you know, that could really ruin their float. So we like to, to keep their attention and sort of bang everything out at the same time. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys find that you have trouble, well, I guess balancing three different things. One, their attention span. Uh, two, the amount of time you have to give an intro. And um, just the amount of content that you have to cover, like balancing everything. Well, I yeah. notice if it, our walkthroughs are about five, five to six minutes, depends on the person. Uh-huh. But by like minute four, a lot of people are just so pumped to get in the tank. They're just, they're tuning you out, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's been, I do a lot of hand gestures and I really <laughs> open myself up to, to get in their face, not really right. get in their face, but let them know that they need to hear this. And, and I like to bring a lot of humor to my walkthroughs too. Nice. And I yeah. find that engages with a lot yeah. of people as well. Um, and for some reason, when you're a tour guide, per se, you don't actually have to be as funny. People will laugh at, like, really dumb <laughs> jokes. And, like telling the guys to use the makeup wipes. I don't nice. know. That cracks a lot of people up for some reason. <laughs> um, it's good yeah, stuff. I, good I like stuff. to um, the walkthrough to be very personal. I think that's yeah. a huge role in, in interacting with their customers. And a lot of the times when they go to talk about their friends or family about their, their float experience, they're not only talking about what they're doing in the float tank. They're talking how the staff treated you, how the lobby was, how comfortable it was, how clean it was. So uh, there's, there's a lot going on in that first walkthrough. That's for sure. Really excited to hear you say that. Cause I, I think that's really important. Well, I've often, I've always said since we've opened up, I feel that as facilitators, we often define some of their float experience. If if they come in the door and you tell them, oh, you're going to experience this, you're going to experience <laughs> right. this, you're, you know, you're you're trying to define their experience. That's what's going to happen. But um, if you just give them a completely neutral platform that they can build their own experience off of and never, you know, point out this is what's supposed to happen, I think that just creates the best experience they can have. So. As a facilitator, you sort of have to realize that, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, that every single float is different for yeah. every single person. We cannot define off our own experiences. And I think you made a really important point when you talked about uh, 
that it's um it's a time to it's a time to create connection basically it's it's a very personal time and it does have an influence on them but i know that mark is always telling me it's like one of his favorite parts is giving intake because it's an opportunity to really connect and get to know people uh, and that's yeah. so it's a really special time for us as well as them i think yeah and i feel really personalizing the float is huge um that's something that we've we've come to to incorporate in our business last four months is really creating a personal experience for everyone. So all our float rooms, we have chalkboards on the door. So we write their name. Sometimes um, if they're booking and, you know, we get to take note of something, we can put that on their account and write a little note on the door and always when we're greeting them, when, when they're arriving, when they're leaving, when we're interacting with them, we're saying their name. Mm-hmm. Um, we introduce ourselves so they, they feel connected to us. Yes. And um, I, I feel that, that, treating everyone like a person and not a client goes a long ways it is a business but we're all people we're all going through our own battles and struggles and yeah and floating is such a human experience it's such so so humanizing um i think it's the perfect environment where that kind of connection really makes sense um there there are two things that you said um shoot now i'm not going to be able to remember them exactly i should have noted it but uh um one is the connection with the with the customer and just connecting with them. Um, shoot, let me let me just run with that. So basically, Amy, you're an LMT. Let's mm-hmm. say you're okay in this hypothetical situation. You're an okay LMT. If your personality <laughs> is spectacular, yeah, you are probably going to have more clients than somebody who gives a C plus massage who has no personality. Do you know? I tell my I teach massage therapy as well. I teach at a actually a very highly rated massage school. I'm very proud of <laughs> uh, here in, in Nashville. Cool. MBI, go MBI. Um, so. Uh, and I tell my students that all the time. Mm-hmm. You can be a you can be a less than perfect, um, a less than technical massage therapist, and you can have a incredibly thriving business because it really truly is about connecting with people mm-hmm. and um, personality. And and I think too, uh, what falls into this is more into marketing, but having that cohesiveness. Like what I love about Lance's place, and I love this about your place too, Dylan, is that when I look at the pictures of Lance's place, which by the way I'm extraordinarily jealous of 1600 square foot lobby, but I, I still love you. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, there, but there's a there's a bit of there's a part of him there. You can see Lance reflected. There's a cohesiveness in not only who he is, but what he puts out in the world. And when I come to the float shop and I see you and Sandra in that environment it reflects i see bits of you and i see bits of sandra and i i I feel like i'm coming into your home yeah uh and that makes a difference then if you're going into a place that looks very clinical Mm -hmm. and you kind of have this disconnected staff and i'm not saying that's bad i think there's a place for that but there is something really special and something that's just like extra magical about places when you walk in and there's that cohesiveness yeah it's beautiful and you can feel it from when you walk in the door um let, I want to jump back to that, that, that um, the feel of, of your center. But first, I, I want to get back to you being an, an average LMT, mm-hmm. um, which is that. Um, Thanks. Yep, yep. <laughs> In this hypothetical world. Hypothetical, where thank you. Just before we even opened, we realized that we're, people are paying to be by themselves for 90 minutes. At, at least as an LMT, you have that opportunity to have an intake. You get to talk, uh, give a massage for 90 minutes and then the outtake portion. And there's this massive amount of time where you're able to potentially develop this connection and i feel like we're with with a real um hurdle with that because we are we are offering us not being there that's the whole idea and so it just meant that there was an incredible importance to that connection when somebody comes in making sure that they're treated just 
at 100% possible, just like as much as we can give them, um, we're giving them everything that we have when they come in and, and when they come down um, from their floats. Like as soon as they walk into the doors, our philosophy is you walk into a hug. That's what it should feel like. And, and I think most people feel that, they get that vibe as soon as you come in. Um, and uh, so I, I just kind of, that's been a philosophy since before we opened. And, and I think it's still really true of just like we're, we have this natural hurdle built into what we do. And it's our job to overcome that or see it as an opportunity. But remember, too, that, um, you know, of course, obviously your personal interactions. But when you have that cohesiveness through your through your facility, um, mm-hmm. it's not just the personal yep. interactions that are speaking. But that entire experience is still reflecting that's a good personality. And that goes back to the altogether. The the clinical idea um, is something that I I see in a lot of float centers and I'm I just I just know we have people listening who have the clinical style and I don't understand that style to be quite honest. Um, and uh, Amy, I'm not very familiar with what yours looks like, but based off your your opinions here, it sounds like yours probably doesn't have a very clinical feel. But yeah. I've always been very curious and I know it seems to be more common in Europe to have um, very sterile almost medical um seeming Mm -hmm. float centers and i've always been curious if that's to appear to be more like a sanitization thing like it everything seems more clean um but i don't feel comfortable going to the doctor to most doctors places i i want something to like you described like it's you're like hanging out in our home yeah and you know i've been to a few of the real clinical looking uh, float centers and quite frankly i've had great experiences Mm -hmm. um but it's a different feel. Uh, I think it's. I think that's why there is so many of us. Um, there's different people who are de- comfortable in different environments. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so it's definitely not for me. And the reason I say it's not for me is I'm. I personally am just a mess. I could never make my place look that that pretty and that clean. <laughs> um, I just know myself. Uh, if I even tried, I would fail miserably. <laughs> so I'm not even going to go there. But I think they're they're stunning and beautiful, and they serve they serve a, a purpose, and they they definitely uh, serve a a population sure. that perhaps would not be comfortable in my yep. nine by seven uh, little lobby. <laughs> just like our view with, with Float On was they have something that we started floating there. We really liked it. And we thought we would like to float at uh, an imaginary float center in our head more. And so we built that. And yeah. so we attract a particular client. They attract a particular yeah. client. Which is for sure. perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I actually took a lot from my first float at your place, Dylan, because um, the previous center two centers i went to before that were a little more of that um not clinical but more sterile environment Uh and yours was so comfy and welcoming and engaging and i you know that really when i flowed there i was like this is what a float center needs to feel like like it's you know there's more to the experience than just the float and you can Mm -hmm. really feel that at your place and that was a bit of our inspiration i guess is to bring that comfy welcoming homey feel to it sweet so <laughs> yeah. i really appreciate that yeah i i, I will I, say I it, it's no accident it, it's something we really strive for and mm-hmm. and i guess i should segue to myself here with uh giving introductions and, and what ours yeah. is like and yeah, yeah. um as, as important as we find our um the ambiance and everything oh which i i will describe the the layout a little bit because ours is pretty different but um how we give introductions i think is I think it's moderately different. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it's definitely something I obsessed over to an unnatural level for, for years. And I feel like we've developed a good rhythm and we have fewer 
adjustments to it over the years, although it continues. Um, so I guess I, the most important thing is our float tanks are on the second story, which I think is pretty uncommon. So it's a 1904 house. It was moved in the 80s, so it has a solid foundation underneath it. Um, and, and it's too difficult for me to describe. Actually, I, I still don't completely understand it, although I understand it better. But it supports weight on the second floor better than the first floor. So I'll just <laughs> say that our floats are on the second floor. When you first walk in, our front desk is right smack in front of you. You, you can't not be greeted by somebody, basically. Um, and again, our first thing is to welcome somebody, get them feeling comfortable as soon as possible. Like, um, there's tea, there's water, there's a foot bath. It's called an Ashiu foot bath. And it, basically, it's just a big hot tub for your feet. Um, and we encourage people to use that and let them know how to use it. So as soon as you walk in, uh, particularly if you show up early, like you're battling traffic, you're doing all the stuff, yada, yada. And then just we're going to strip all of that off of you as quickly as possible. All that stress that's on you, all that, all the nasties is just, just super bring you down real quick, which is going to transfer you into the float tank um, in a real nice way it is our strategy. Um, you don't have to soak your feet or anything like that, but it's it's definitely it's, it's offered. Um, we do have them sign a waiver. Um, we always walk them through that, encourage them to give it a full read through before they sign it and all that. Um, it's a electronic. It's a it saves uh, over the cloud immediately, which is really nice, um, and it saves paper. So I'd encourage you guys to look into that. Um, and let me go ahead and get into the introducing customers to floats. Um, mm -hmm. We basically, I think, uh, we break it into three portions, um, may maybe arguably four. Um, and there are a lot of variables. I think the most important thing is that although we have a set structure for how we do things, we also um, we we do uh, switch it up based on the person that comes in. It's really important that everything's personalized, and it sounds like all of us agree with that. Every yeah. intro should yeah. be personalized. Um, so I always ask, what brings you in here, you know? And you never hear exactly the same thing twice. Everybody's a little bit different. Oh, and if I can back up, sorry, I'm going to talk mm -hmm. so much here. But um, sometimes I don't want to give intros. Sometimes I am not in the mood. I'm in no mood for this, and <laughs> I, I have to for whatever reason. And I, um, as soon as you ask somebody what brings them in here, like, and you're listening to them and they're excited or nervous or anything like that, there's just a connection that all of a sudden I'm in. I'm interested and I, I want to have this experience with you and I want to walk you through all of these things and I'm, I'm just completely in and that happens 100% of the time. It doesn't matter if I'm not feeling well, if I've got a lot on my mind. Um, as, as soon as I ask that question, as soon as they start talking, um, it's all good. And then afterwards I can be exhausted and tired and wound up again and whatever. But um, that point um, can really help guide me towards what we're going to talk about. Um, because if it's, like Lance said, uh, you know, an athlete, then we're going to talk about different things. And if somebody who um, meditates all the time or journeys, um, you know, again, you hear so many different reasons, then you can start tailoring the information that you give um, based on that person. Because we have hours of information to give, um, and we, we can't do that. So we want to give them the best we can based on who's in there. And so... Um, we have three float tanks currently. We're, we're working on our fourth one. Um, and uh, um, basically, um, from, from that point, um, we're going to talk about what exactly is a float tank. Sometimes people have done all their research. Sometimes other people haven't. Um, so we're going to talk about what's the purpose of a float tank and what are the actual things happening. So I always say that the overall goal of a float tank is to limit your sensory input as close as we can to zero. And so we talk about the buoyancy of the water, the temperature of the water, 
Uh, we talk about light and sound reduction and how all those things light up the outer portion of your brain and that this actually allows that all to quiet down. Um, sometimes I go on tangents about how the, you know we're in a fight or flight mode all the time. I definitely do try to describe fight or flight, parasympathetic, sympathetic. Um, I think people like a little bit of uh, technical and sciencey stuff if it's just you know spoonfuls and it's interesting. Um, I think I think people dig that and. Um, I'll talk about Epsom salt and magnesium and, and uh, talk about anecdotal stuff with that or depending on time I might uh, make a claim about magnesium absorption. Um, but uh, so that first portion is just um, talking about what a float tank is and actually I guess I segued to um, benefits of floating. And, and that's where I think it really gets customized of, of uh, what the float is going to be like. Um, mm -hmm. I talk about physical things, I talk about physiological things like cortisol reduction. Um, and then I talk about the mental state, which I, I do say is different for every floater and it's different between every float as well. Um, and we talk about theta state, uh, we talk about meditation, we talk about playing in the float tank, um, that you might have a busy mind. Um, some people just completely let go. Um, so there, there are a lot of things, different things to talk about. Mind you, it might be that people walked in five minutes before they were supposed to get in or they walked in at exactly noon and their float was at noon. Um, so that might mean that gets truncated a lot. Um, and, and it really depends on the person um, for how, how truncated that's going to get. But I really need them to know what a float tank is. Um, and um, uh, I, I really do like to go over a few of the benefits. I want somebody somewhat prepared, even if they walk in late. Uh, are you with me so far? <laughs> yes, yes. Good um, stuff. Good so I, stuff. I think that's the, those are kind of the two two first steps. One is the what brings you here, what is a float tank, and then benefits of floating. So how long uh, does that take? <laughs> now I've been, let me let me uh, let yeah. me preface this by saying I have actually you know I love your intake. I've been through it a, f a few times. Okay. How long do you normally spend when you're downstairs in the in the lobby area? How long do you talk? Approximately? Me, Sandra, or our employees? Because unfortunately, ah. <laughs> Sandra and I can ramble way too much, and we have a hard time getting people into floats on time because we. <laughs> We just re engage with our, our clients to a ridiculous degree. Um, and then when our employees don't get clients in on time, we berate them. So <laughs> not true, not really true. Um, well, actually, maybe, maybe it is true. I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, I would say about 15 minutes. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I would say 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and that's before you take them upstairs? That's before upstairs. Because that's, a, that's a, you kind of a first part and a second right. part, right? Mm -hmm. So the intro does continue upstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Although I should say there's a third part downstairs, which is the tips that we give downstairs. And mm. so um, we give the tips of, um, of course, I'm not going to be able to think about it now, even though <laughs> I've given it thousands of times. But um, the first most important one, in my opinion, is um, salt in the eyes, is avoiding getting salt in your eyes. And we go over a few things about that, uh, not touching, touching the face, etc. Uh, we talk about staying in the middle of the float tank, how to stay in the middle of the float tank, just because we found that so many customers were talking about how much they were bouncing around during their first floats. So we try to give them a couple tools about that. Um, and then I say, I, I say, these are the two tips that you need to know. And I talk about the salt water and the staying in the middle of the float tank. And then I say, I also have two pieces of advice, um, which one is to play when you first get into the float tank, mm -hmm. is to just have fun when you get in there. A... Um, it's an incredibly unique experience. It doesn't even occur in nature, but um, you can have 
such an amazing experience just just by floating on this water and having fun with it. But the other thing that you're doing is really educating your brain on its environment. Um, you can so we've already talked about sympathetic and parasympathetic state and going into a, a deep state of rest, um, or I you know some truncated version of it. And I, I talk about how trying to fall asleep on an airplane or a car ride or in an airport. I mean, anywhere where you, you can't really completely let go because your brain doesn't feel safe necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, in a float tank, as deep as you can go into a state of rest, you're not going to get there unless you feel safe and comfortable. And so um, by playing, you're educating your brain on the physics of the water. You're educating it. Um, you're taking ownership of the space. You're visually taking it in. You're you're doing all these things that helps reduce that acclimation time. Um, so that that survival instinct somewhere in the back mm-hmm. of your brain that's always wants mm-hmm. to know that you're in a uh, in a safe environment or not um, can say, yeah, you are. You're you're kind of greenlit, and you can start letting go. And I think it really reduces the acclimation time of, of first time floaters. Um, and then the other thing I say is that, as Amy, were you going to say something there? Oh, no, go for it. Okay. Go for it. Tell me. Is that, Don't stop now. Right? Um, <laughs> is that you can, as relaxed as you can get, way back there, there does seem to be a survival instinct that says keep your breathers out of the water. That you may find that your neck doesn't completely let go and that um, um, we do have a neck pillow that you can put behind your head, fully support it, allows your neck to, your brain to let go of your neck, which allows you to totally let go. So um, that's what we cover downstairs. Then we take them upstairs and we um, walk them through all the little things that, oh, I should also say that we, we kind of walk them in chronological order of what they're, they'll experience. Um, so we in start, uh, we start with the earplugs. So okay. these are the earplugs. Um, this is how you put them in. Then you'll want to shower. Uh, there's body wash in there. I don't even mention the shampoo and conditioner. Um, and then, uh, be careful getting into the float tank, you know, just all the steps of the general walkthrough of a float room. I, I cram all three of them into one room if it's three new floaters. Um, and then, um, I go through the, um, uh, sorry, spacing out here a little bit, but, um, then I go through, um, gosh, I'm going through everything that has to do with an intro in my head at the moment, <laughs> but uh, the specifics of the float tank itself. Um, so in our open tank, tank room, it's really simple, which is you push that button to turn out the light, you push it again to turn it on. There's nothing else you need to know specifically with that float tank. Then I take them into floatarium room and walk them through that one, and I'm dropping people off on each one, and then I take them into tranquility um, and show them the buttons in that one, um, and, and that's how I do it. Um, I should also say the reason we break it up on that is... Um, one, because of the amount of time, like how much time do we balance beforehand? How much time do we want to balance after, you know, the, the top of the hour to make sure that they still have a 90 minute float? The other part is retention rate, like um, memory retention. So as soon as somebody sees a float tank for the first time, they're probably looking at the buttons, they're looking at the water, They can't, there's a little bit of a tune out factor. And so those two things I really want them to know, like not getting salt in their eyes or how to deal with it if they do and how to stay in the middle of the tank. I'm gonna tell them that where their feet are in the foot bath and I've got eye contact, you know, like before <laughs> they're seen, seen, a, seen a space shuttle for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the chronological order upstairs is so that they're actually walking through it with you so that there, there's a little bit of connection from each step to, to the next step as, as they go through it. So that's how we give it. And that's what it feels like to be a customer. You get to hear me talk for 10, 15 minutes. So sorry. I always end with a big apology that you have to hear me talk. Oh, and we end with, and uh, the most important thing, or the final thing I'd like to add is um, I highly recommend using the restroom before a 90-minute float. Mm. It's at the end of the hall on your right. Um, And most people do end up using the restroom. Um, I think that's actually a really important one to to mention. Yeah. Okay. So... (laughs) (laughs) 
Did, did well, anything come up with that description? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was just going to say. Um, so interesting thing. So y'all seem to have, well, not seem to. I haven't seen Lance's, but it sounds amazing. You have large lobbies. Um, Dylan, I know you're cutting sure. into yours now with the tank, but you still have a really lovely space um, for people to sit in. Um, and I can see so many advantages to having a large lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to mention that even though I have a tiny lobby, one of the, the things that has been the coolest for us and the, the, the most awesome thing to give hope to people who have tiny lobbies like us <laughs> is as we sit, stand behind the desk, as the people come out and start to interact with the people who have just come yes. in, you know, there's this beautiful, beautiful conversation that takes place. And I remember uh, one night sitting there and the people who were coming out were talking to people coming in and we had, we had a medical doctor, we had like a, a construction worker, we had a landscaper and they were all having this wonderful, beautiful discussion. And, you know, normally, you know, like, Oh gosh, here comes somebody. They're really nervous about coming for the first time. <laughs> totally. Well, that person who just came out is like, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's wonderful. <laughs> and this is going to happen. But yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, if you, if you feel like you're moving around the tank and they're telling them, they're giving them basically our yes. intake yes, and totally. it's so much better. To come from us. <laughs> I just sit back and smile. Yeah, so there's great. this advantage to being kind of forced uh, close together. There's been some of the most beautiful conversations happening so there's some advantages to that even though it can be a little tough working uh getting people in and out and uh and that's all right and and lance i wanted to bring up too i noticed on yours uh, you had you mentioned you had the chalkboards we actually have whiteboards Hmm. in uh outside the door and we originally started doing it because all of our doors look the same they just have numbers on them and people started going into the wrong (laughs) some people start going to the wrong doors like oh so now we have like these whiteboards that that Actually, people do respond to, and we've we have quotes, we have little little things that we put up on the boards for, especially for members, people that we know. It's uh, really actually kind of been a cool. fun exercise in creativity. So I thought that was awesome. Oh, that and is fun. oh, and I wanted to ask Lance one more thing because he was uh, Dylan. You were talking about the two most important tips, which were huh. uh, staying in the center and keeping salt water out of the eyes. Yeah. Lance, what are your two top tips? Yeah, the salt water is definitely a big one. Um, you start by telling people to dry their face off before they jump mm-hmm. in. Then that, that eliminates any of the drops and stuff on your face. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> another one of the tips is definitely to relax the neck. Um, I like to tell people to try floating different ways to relax the neck. And um, we do hold a lot of our stress and tension in our neck and our shoulders. So I just like to emphasize that. We don't use um, pillows like yeah. uh, you guys both do i believe yeah, um, yeah but we don't so um i i think i mentioned this last podcast but i felt like the pillows were like just a crutch uh-huh. to letting people get the full experience but i think you changed me mm-hmm. on that dylan <laughs> um but yeah just really letting people know to relax the neck not get any salt in their eyes nose or mouth or touch their face and um yeah that's pretty much the two biggest tips for us do you usually mention that you float with your hands above your head to open up your chest because i uh, I say there's no rules to float. You can float however, sure. your hands above your head, your side, on your chest, whatever's most comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. But we have found a lot of people find it most comfortable with their hands above their head. Okay. But I said it is different for everyone. Some people's hands fall asleep that way. Um, but huh. I have got a lot of feedback of people coming out of their float saying, oh, thank you for telling me, like, right. hands <laughs> above the head. That's helped. So, um mm-hmm. I, I like to get that in there, but it's not every single person that gets that tip. <laughs> Um, can I ask you, so 
Oh, Amy, you were going to ask something. Go ahead. No, go for it. Go for yeah. it. I was going to take it off to another direction. I had another question, so oh, wow. go for it. Well, it, this is a little bit, but it's actually also going back a little bit, which we were talking mm-hmm. a little bit about um, coloring people's floats. Um, it, it basically, telling them what they their experience will be or what it can be. Um, I know Glenn and Lee are very, Glenn and Lee Perry, the creators of the Samadhi float tank, are very anti coloring what the float is going to be whatsoever and I I, sh- I strongly disagree with that I, I think it's really important to educate people on um, the potential things that can happen things that commonly happen and I think it takes a lot of the mystery away from it and uh, fear and tension that people can be walking in with um, and I don't want to guide where their float is going to go by all means but I don't think I think it can be a disservice to not give them any any information or, or such a minimal amount of information Hmm. Yeah. Well, first, it, do you have any, any opinions on that? I think that you do have to find a balance where you're not defining it, but um, maybe if there's something that, uh, the way I see it, if someone comes in not thinking of something and you bring it up as part of routine, that may turn on the switch and then they start thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Like um, if you say, oh, don't worry, you won't roll over anything like that then maybe they're thinking oh what if i roll over what if i do this so Mm -hmm. that's why i've tried to keep it to a minimal and like on a need to know basis sort of thing but there are those key tips that people need to know to have the best experience they can Mm -hmm. Mm. emmy do you have any thoughts on that uh yeah same thing in fact it's something we struggle with and mark and i still go back and forth Mm. on quite a bit on what do we say and what don't we say and we have to be careful i think to a degree with our words um, we don't want to plant any more anxiety, but we are so concerned about making sure that they are comfortable and uh, aren't fearful going in their first time. And there is a fine line. Um, I know, let's see, I think somebody gave me this example one time. I, a friend of ours is another float center owner who mentioned that he used to say, um, I used to say, you know, uh, you might get salt in your eyes or, you know, oftentimes when you have no sensory input or very little sensory input, you know, I start to get little itches on my face and just be careful if you have an itch and you, and he was, and, and you touch it and salt water gets in your eyes. And he was saying like, well, every time somebody came out, they were talking about, they had these itches on their right. face. So I had to stop saying those Funny. things. See, we just have to be super careful that, uh, you know, a lot of times we just won't give a lot of personal, like, oh, well, this is my experience. Hmm. Afterwards, if they want to talk about it, we, we sometimes share things. But ahead of time, we just try to give them the information that will allow them to have a good flow, to make them aware of what's happening, to make them, like, like Lance was saying, this is what the music is going to sound like. You're not going to miss the music. Um this is the way to keep your earplugs so you don't have to fiddle around with them during your float. You can, mm-hmm. you know, put them in a dry ear. Uh, you're not going to turn over. Don't worry about that. It's certainly a wonderful place to, to have a nice nap. <laughs> you know, sure. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so there's a fun line. Uh, so we, I, I give a lot of examples. I give an example of a married couple that comes in and the wife floats. Um, uh, she, she hands off her baby to her husband and she floats for 90 minutes. And then afterwards... Um, they hand off the baby, and he floats for 90 minutes, and then they leave together. And um, and I use that as the example of I, I, I've never asked them why they float, you know, since since they started. But I'm pretty sure they're not doing a lot of deep 
introspection during that time. I'm pretty sure they're just letting go completely. It just It's so nice not to have any responsibilities and they just get to rest. Um, but I talk about how I really like the introspective aspects of floating and I talk about how I like knowing there's a lock on the door, my phone is off and my ego mm-hmm. can kind of get out of the way. And um, so I do give different examples of floater, maybe floater archetypes we've had or examples of floaters and my own personal experiences. Um, do you do that at all? Or do you, do you try to keep away from that, the personal aspect of floating? Um, you know, uh, things like you mentioned there, I, I don't mind giving, but you know, one thing I've, I've been thinking about recently is uh, talking a lot about, you know, I'm always concerned, let me think about how I want to say this. I'm always concerned about people's perception of their float. And I don't want them to be discouraged if they come out and they feel restless. They have felt restless. Uh They weren't able to let go into the last, you know, whatever their perception is. It's probably their last, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, five minutes or so. Um, And I want them to know that that's normal. Um, I used to, from time to time, say, you know, if you feel bored or something, it's okay. It's totally normal. I have felt really, I I don't want to say that anymore. I feel like perhaps I am coloring what their, their personal experience is going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so something like that, I, I've really struggled with, you know, letting them have, you know, maybe, maybe they will be bored, but you know what, maybe it'll be the most amazing experience of their entire life. And if I would have told them they would have been bored, maybe they wouldn't have, maybe they would have missed out on that. So Those kind of things I struggle with, and I, yeah. I want to educate, but I also want to be careful how I do that and the words that I use. Um, and yeah. so I, I am struggling, and I am learning um, from people like y'all. You know, I think Sandra does um, talk forward. about boredom in the float tank or p- potentially being bored in the float tank, and she gets complimented consistently about uh, that portion of it. I, I actually, I'll ask her to leave a comment on theartoffloating.com where this posts uh, to leave a comment um, about that portion of the introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, we had a conversation a while back about making that a standard part of our intro. Um, I, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it covers that, and she gets complimented on it, complimented on it so frequently. Um, so that's really funny that we're finding ourselves going in opposite directions on that topic. <laughs> Well, I'm still I'm still unsure about it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I'm doing more damage than good. I, I want right. to encourage people that that's okay to have that experience, but I don't know if I'm if by doing it ahead of time if I'm doing them a disservice. I yeah, I, I am kind of leaning away. Lance, what what's your input on this? Um, <laughs> well, like like I think I said, um, anything that we say can sort of define something so if Mm -hmm. if it's not even on their mind and we bring it up instantly they're thinking about it whether they carry on with that or not um it's on their mind so uh, i I just like to stay away and just let that neutral platform and after we will talk about whatever you want but before it's like this is a sketch pad and there's nothing on here but this is all your sketches you're not taking so you're going to talk about anything after one float because that doesn't that color future floats well, talk about what you experienced or what you felt or what your, how you put words to that experience that we don't well, necessarily have words for. I guess I'm just curious if there's, we're we're treating floating like the, this mystic ceremony when it's a massage, and we can talk about what a massage is, and we can talk about benefits, and we can color your interpretation of what a massage is going to be like or what you should expect. Um, 
maybe I've developed an expectation for deep tissue massage or light light work or what what a good massage is like um, from programming. I, but we don't have a stigma about talking about massage or what it's going to be like. I, the float tank, I think it's something. It, it very depends on set and setting, um, where your mindset is, what's going on in your mind, where you came from, where you're at in your week. You know, there's it's so different for every person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard just to say, you know, pick that group of things you want to talk about, and sure. you know, this is what you should feel, or it's okay to get bored, or you know, it's I don't know. It's it's all about what's in their mind and what's going on in their life. That mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain that, I guess. You know, I worry, too, uh, in our society, being bored is not really an acceptable place to be. Right. It's not an acceptable state to be. Um, I almost have to, I almost feel, rightly or wrongly, I'm not sure, that I have to be like, oh, well, that's normal and that's okay. Um, but by saying if it's, by saying if it, is it normal, am I, should I not be saying that it's <laughs> normal? I don't know. There was a great speech. Um uh, I think she's even local here in Portland. I, I can't think of her name at the moment at the float conference who talked about the, the different um, aspects of needs from a, in a person. And downtime was one of them, like reading a book, that kind of thing. But also um, time to experience nothing was really important just for the brain to just work on its own and process. Um, I, think, I think it's okay to talk about that personally. I think people are intrigued by it too. Um, I also think that if I go to an LMT, I want my LMT to say, do you want deep tissue? Do you want light work? And I want to be able to tell them what I want. Like, it is an open discussion. It doesn't have to be a mystery of what kind of massage I'm going to get. And just the same, I mean, not just the same, but going into a float tank, I mean, you don't get to choose these experiences a la carte from a menu. But um, I think it's nice to be educated on the possibilities of a float and what your experience might be like. So it does. Do you think it discourages people uh, if they know that there's a potential to be bored? You know, let's talk about the fact that you know people, the return rates of people. Um, I know that I will do anything in our power to get them back for a second time because usually if they've had a rough, I say rough wording is so important and that's hard word for me but you know they've had a rough float or they've had a float where they're bored Mm -hmm. getting them back is is tough it's almost like if i if we don't talk about it are we that's purely from a marketing standpoint but are we going to discourage them from coming back if we don't let them know that that's normal and it could be totally different next time is that going to keep them from returning lance did you have something to say about that I was going to say bored is almost a perception thing because bored to one person may be completely someone who's constantly working with their hands and, and, you know, always moving and fidgeting while they may be bored in the float tank. Somebody who's left with their thoughts that they don't want to bring up and they just keep trying to talk back there. That may be boring. Um, For me, one of my best floats, actually, the first float I fully understood, I was at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I'm done with this floating thing. And then I was, boom, I was somewhere else. And then I came back and I'm like, I need to be bored more often. Nice. That's the whole point of a float is to get bored. But, um, well, that sounds like a good intro to me. <laughs> back, to, back to like, um, I don't think, I don't think floating needs to be a mystical experience. I don't think, you know, we need to hide everything, but I don't want to be the first one to in- initiate some of these topics. If they ask, will I get bored? I'll definitely expand sure. on that. Or mm-hmm. they ask something, mm-hmm. I'll expand on it. But I'm, I don't, 
like to init- yeah. initiate those things, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Because you were saying yeah. that, you know, floating, is it a mystical experience yeah. thing? And we're trying to, you know, I don't think it's like that, but. It's interesting. And, and yeah, I, I think I, it's a I fragile even, thing. Like, the, I yeah. definitely see a big difference between a float and a massage, by all means. I was trying to draw, <laughs> a, you know, analogous mm-hmm. things between the two, but um, I there's definitely a big difference and, and the space within the mind during a float is, is very different than a deep tissue massage versus, you know, light relaxation. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one part about intake that we, we haven't touched on yet. And I'd like to, to, uh, if I can take it back a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, how about when they call and make their appointment? Uh-huh. Because that's really your, if I'm um, obviously they can book online, they might not have this interaction, but, um, when they call and make an appointment, you have an opportunity to talk to them for the first time. What kind of things do you mention at that point? Do you have a speech or do you have points that you hit it, when they make their first their first float appointment? Do they know about floating? Or are they inquiring or they're, they're calling to book? They're calling to book for their first time. Cool. They may or may not know um, what, they're, what they're getting themselves into. Um, but do you have something that you have written out or at least some points that you address every time that they make their first appointment? Uh, I, we can do it this way, Dylan. I'm going to call you right now. Ring, 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 ring. Answer the phone to the float shop. Yo, hoy, hoy. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for calling the float shop. This is Dylan. Um, <laughs> how may I help you? Hey, I, I heard about this floating thing I want to be trying. Uh, uh, my friend did it. He said it was awesome. Can you... You tell me a little bit about it. What do I expect? What do I do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the basic idea of floating is uh, completely letting go of your sensory input. Um, the float tank is designed to, um, yeah, sorry, I would say that. I mean, sir, anyway, what I meant to say was uh, <laughs> we have all the sensory input all day, every day coming in. And when you step into a float tank, you're just able to let go of that completely. Um, you're able to completely relax, look inward in your mind, um, float on this Gosh, I wouldn't talk to you like this. This is difficult. This is surprisingly <laughs> difficult. I thought it'd be um, a lot more no fun. No pressure, or anything. but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think I would. I rest is one of the biggest things I'm going to talk about. It's just oh, okay. that letting go, that relaxation aspect of it. Um, I might inquire to them some of their interests a little bit. I guess kind of like the intro to a float. Actually, I think there are a lot of parallels and um, talking to somebody on the phone and actually my intros in general of covering those same beats. Um, but I will also just add that we always tell people, you know, don't shave the night before a float and, you know, okay. just the basic things, um, mm-hmm. small meal beforehand, no coffee or caffeine uh, before a float. How many hours before do you say? The caffeine, the caffeine part? Yeah. Um, I, my personal recommendation, and I don't know that we have this documented for the business, but my personal recommendation is if uh, you need your coffee to get going in the morning um, and it's in the evening time, then have a small amount. If your float's in the morning, um, just avoid it altogether. Yeah. We usually say about four hours before. I don't know oh, if that's that a good number. Mine, but I'm kind of sensitive when it comes to caffeine. Yeah. I find that's a big thing for a lot of people. And you tell them they can't have coffee. They like, they, it's like, okay, Freak out. Well, I don't know if I want to do this yeah, right. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> totally. If their body's used to it, uh, it's not a, we've actually had some people say, you know, I, I used to not have any caffeine at all, but now I just have, instead of having my three cups, I have <laughs> like half a cup Yeah. and it allows them to relax. Just to get to and, zero. And make it through. Just <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I get that. <laughs> yeah, it can alter the experience multiple different ways. Like I've had 
I've purposely drank espresso and went into a float tank because you are adding a, a stimulant or a drug to mm-hmm. that experience. So um, I don't think it's for everyone, but you can definitely achieve different things in a float tank with high amounts of caffeine in your system. <laughs> <laughs> or ADHD medication. Let's talk about that. Medication can affect as well. I usually just say stimulants. Bring, bring. I think I hear a... Bring, oh, bring. I think for I me, for me. Nope. Uh, no, I think this one's in Lance's. Oh, it's, it's over in, in <laughs> Canada. <laughs> He's not answering. Hey, I'd like to float check. Mike's meat. What's your beef? <laughs> nice. I'd like to schedule a float for uh, five o'clock tonight. All righty. Well, um, actually, we don't have any openings tonight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was denied. <laughs> nice. Well, can I schedule for for next week, next Thursday? Yes, certainly you can. Excellent. Um, cool. All right. I'll take your name, your information. I'll what's let you infor- know. What's my information? <laughs> D- Dylan Calm. Yeah. Dil- oh, I'm sorry. No, what I meant to say was actually what I was really getting towards was was uh, something that we saw on uh, Float Facilitators a while back, which was credit card information. And ah, um, <clears throat> yes. do we do you guys take credit card? Wow. Sorry. That was a really silly way to get to this this portion. <laughs> Maybe we just couldn't shouldn't call each other over the podcast. <laughs> Let's <laughs> never do that again. <laughs> Let it be stricken and we delete it from this episode. It's, it's gone. That, we'll fix you that are on to a really good thing, though. Mm-hmm. Um, credit cards. I agree with Lance. So we actually go intake forms here. We don't do intake forms either, which is something we we should be doing um, just for our own record keeping. But we don't do that, and we don't take credit cards either. Um, you're right. This did come up in Float Facilitators. I think someone was asking um, what to do with uh, people that are no-shows right. or late cancellations. Mm-hmm. Um, should we be taking credit card before and charging a penalty for not showing up? Or... Do you just educate them? Um, when we have no-shows, um, well, when people are booking, we like to let them know that we do, like, 24 hours cancellation. Um, if someone does do a no-show, we like to call them back and educate them. Be like, hey, we are, a, you know, a small business. Um, we do take appointments when you don't show for this and we're fully booked this day. There's, you know, a spot that we could have had someone. And a lot of the time people are calling us back, apologizing. Oh, oh sorry, I, you know, life got in the way, you know, and they're really understanding about it. Um, what about uh, you two? Do any of you take credit cards or give penalties for no-shows? Well, Lance, I think you know mine because we battled on Flow Facilitators about this. But <laughs> yeah, I'll cover that in a second. <laughs> Amy, what about you? Yeah, we do. We take uh, we take credit cards and we also Upon have booking. penalties. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. And um, what is your penalty? Mine uh, currently it is uh, full price unless so they can so they call like we have a twelve-hour cancellation policy. If they were to call within that 12 hours, um, we do actually, we don't charge them immediately. We let them know that we're going to do everything we can to fill your spot. And if mm-hmm. we fill it, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to charge you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have opportunities as well. If you have friends or somebody who wants to float, this is a great time to invite them mm-hmm. and, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Nice. Um, but we do charge currently the full amount that okay. we are discussing. We are discussing uh, that uh, with we're doing quite a few changes, but um, but we we will always charge because our we want because people understand money, um, they understand that there needs to be an exchange and we reserve that for them and we do lose money and like Lance said we're a small business now we give our employees the opportunity to 
uh, clear people, but it has to be written on their record so that mm-hmm. we know. So we don't have somebody who's doing it right. every single appointment. Mm-hmm. It happens once or twice. Life, like you said, life happens. Yeah. But if we see a consistent pattern, then we do. So we you do charge. <clears throat> excuse me. You take a credit card from from every person when they're booking. Every person every when they person. book. Yes. Okay. Every person. Lance, did you yes. did you say in flow facilitators that you actually call the day beforehand? Was that somebody else? Uh, no, we don't call the day beforehand. We have an auto email that goes out. Sure, and we have an auto email as well. I think that's pretty common. But there, there was somebody that mentioned that they actually give people a phone call. They don't take card information, but they call. And I thought that was pretty cool. I I like that. It's it feels very, just very considerate, very human. Um, when I. When I think about it, it seems like a lot of work to call all these people, to be mm-hmm. quite honest, like just, just with how much our employees are already working. Um, but then yeah. when you just asked Amy if you take the credit card information every time, I'm almost curious if you thought, wow, that seems like a lot lot to do per phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they're in our system, then, they don't have to, then it's done. Yeah. We don't have to worry about it again. I've always been worried. I know a lot of people that we talk to, um, even for signing up memberships, to say they don't have credit card or they don't choose to use a credit card. Do you find you're ever turning people away because they do not have a credit card? Can I take this? In our... Oh, yes, please do. Go uh, ahead. Um, I can only think of one instance where we've actually had to turn somebody away because of that. And even then, we so we do take card information upon every booking. Um, and I think... Oh, so we then offer if if they absolutely don't want to use credit cards, they can come in and prepay. And it's just noted in their account that they prepay before their floats. And if that's not possible, then that's that's just a bridge too far where we can't agree with each other. And again, I, I if it's happened, I think it's happened once. Uh, like you, it's happened once at our place as well. The other option that we give them is, hey, I bet you have a friend with a credit card. Why don't you huh. give them the cash? They can purchase a gift certificate for you online, our instant gift certificate, and then you can reserve your appointment with your gift certificate number. So we we had we used to have a lot of no-shows. We were getting upset about it um, because, yeah. I mean, a no-show means no money in your pocket, and it means blocking off somebody that could potentially be in your float tank, mm-hmm. um, a, bringing in an income, but also just having a float, period. Um, so it felt, it felt rude because it was happening a lot, and it was especially once we added... Um, massages um, in that we realized we were just losing money hand over fist because we also pay our employees with, for no-shows or our or LMTs. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when we were told by our LMTs, you know it's completely common to, to charge a late fee. Um, and then, then we just clicked and went, okay, well, we charge a, a late fee. We charge half for a no-show, period. And then no-shows stopped. It's so rare that we, we get no-shows at this point. Um, and it's even rare that we actually have to charge a card. I, I mean, it's super rare we charge somebody's card because we also allow if, if they're sick, if they call anything like that, we don't charge them. And also if they call and reschedule, um, it's completely fine too, even mm-hmm. if they call later. So we're really easy about it. it but just the number of no-shows has dropped dramatically. And I think it is a, it, it trains your clients and it, and it does uh, indicate the type of, or it does help to uh, shape the kind of clients that you get. Um, if you value your time, they will as well. Yeah, that's, that's very that. true. No matter how you decide to express it. I mean, like with us, it's getting the card information for somebody else that's calling beforehand. Um, no matter how, how you show that importance and that value, I think it is important mm-hmm. for it to be there. Yeah. No. 
Well, guys, it's been another lovely episode. I think we've covered some really exciting, really cool topics that, that people care about. I, I certainly care about. Um, of course, Lance had more to say. Lance, is there is there something else you wanted to say? Well, I wanted like we did when when we're intake customers. But what do you do after their float? How do you you know? I think that's a another I, huge side of it. Yeah, so. I want to I want to cover that on another another episode because I think again we're gonna have a lot to say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so thank you guys, um, Amy. Where can where can people find you? They can find me at Float Nashville on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. You can find me at Float Nashville. Nice. Lance, where can people find you? You can find me at The Float Shack. I encourage you to follow me on Instagram. Instagram is my favorite social media, and we have a lot of fun on that. <laughs> Good way to interact. Check out Instagram, especially if you don't use it for your center. You should be. Right, which is something interesting, which I'm, I'm curious about. Um, I, I've been blogging with the art of floating.com for quite some time and um i've always been curious about who follows uh the the center because uh, float centers might not necessarily want to talk about dirty tank water over twitter so i would just encourage people to follow with your personal twitter addresses or um uh, you know facebook and all that stuff uh, on your personal accounts if if you want to um you know kind of get into a little bit more of that nitty-gritty stuff um, and by the way, the float shop doesn't have an Instagram. Should we have an Instagram? So yes, yes. I <laughs> found it. Yeah. I found it one of the best ways to interact with my local clients, especially when you start you utilizing hashtags the right way. And huh. people, that's a good way for people to see like behind the scenes of what's going oh, on cool. in the float world. And, and people like that. People okay. like to see you know backstage sort of thing. Let's. Uh, they want to know. Let's have a social media episode soon. That sounds. Yes, good. that would be really fun. Awesome. Cool. Um, you can find all of us at Artful Floating on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast and the blog at uh, www.theartoffloating.com and, and, of course, on Facebook as well. We always want to hear from you. Tweet us. Uh, we love hearing from you. Leave us a voicemail or a speak pipe, as it's known, on our website. If you click on the gold bar on the left side of the screen, uh, you can leave uh, several minutes uh, of um, your your feels about the show. And did we miss something in our intros? Is there a better way to do it? Do you have ideas on a, on a different way? Let us know. Uh, we, we really want to hear from you, and uh, we might agree with you, and we, we might not, but we'll definitely give you your time on air. Um, beyond that, um, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you in 2016. You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast. 